Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. We are your host, Aaron and Matthew Miller. Boy, do we have a topic to cover tonight. Back in 2004, uh, the Keystone University, Ireland, released a documentary video entitled Atlantis, Ireland. In this documentary, the Video claims that a Neolithic tomb at Nagrange uh, is in fact the famed temple of Atlantis. And when you start looking at this for biblical connections, take note that inside the documentary it states that Atlantis, Ireland was devastated by a huge tsunami triggered by a comet that hit Earth over 11,000 years ago. Is this the Chichilub event. If so, how can we tie this together with Bible prophecy? In the documentary, this is also included. It also uh, argues that the advanced technology is in keeping with the belief that Atlantis was one of the most advanced places in the world before its destruction. They get their proof for this that uh, you can find uh, Irish boats, fishing, agriculture, and metalwork that has inscription upon it pointing back to their legacy. But it's not done there. It also points to the fact that the Irish DNA has been found throughout the world, including, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, red-headed mummies as proof that Ireland was the most advanced civilization in its day. This begins to rattle your cage when you check out this technical data. So when you consult the biblical text as what was going on, well, let me just say this. We know that uh, David Roll has brought to the world the simple fact that they found the Egyptian statue with flaming red hair that wears a coat of variegated colors. This is beyond contestation. We have the evidence. Joseph and his bloodline 
clearly had red hair. So when we try to come to grips with what the Bible is actually telling us about this Gog and Magog, as we talked about in our last broadcast, the American Anakim, and it would seem that the American Indians were fleeing from these giants. So we already put forth, Aaron, that, that per the Ten Commandments, they would have had to have been, after the fourth generation, re-injecting their seed into the bloodline to keep the bloodline repl replenished. What's your thoughts on this? What's your take on it? And what have you found concerning this, well, this red-headed bloodline and what it might have to do with the Irish? So most specifically, the, the Irish Book of Invasions or and also the Irish uh, Book of, four, of the Four Masters, they are very clear, they were very sure of themselves that the Celts descended from Magog, the son of Japheth. And so when we're talking about the land of Magog, this is this it does not seem that this is talking about a place, but a people. And these were the Celts. The Celts were um, largely nomadic, and so, so we there were Celts called the Britons who were li living in Britain. There were the ones who lived in Scotland and Ireland. So their Celtic beliefs uh, show up all over, but. Um, most specifically, um, like, what were these giants doing? Um, well, like I said before, I think there's a certain woman named Albina, who is uh, common in the the, Albi uh, the Albion story of Britain. They said that, um, well, I'll actually read what it says. According to the poem, in the three, uh, 3970th year of the creation of the world, so that's Anno Mundi, a king of Greece married his 30 daughters into royalty, but the haughty brides colluded to eliminate their husbands so that they might be subservient to no one. The youngest would not be uh, party to the crime and divulged the plot so that the princesses were confined to unsteerable rudderless ship and set adrift and after three days came into the inhabited land later known as England. The eldest daughter, Albina, was the first step ashore and to lay claim to the land, naming it after herself. At first, the women gathered acorns and fruits, but once they learned to hunt and obtain meat, it aroused their lecherous desires. So no other humans inhabited the land. They mated the evil spirits called incubi, or de uh, basically fallen angels of lust, and sub subsequently the sons they begot engendering a race of giants. These giants were evidenced by large, huge bones which were unearthed. Brutus arrived in 260 years after Albina in the 1136th year before the birth of Christ. Yet by there, there were only 24 giants left due to inner strife. As Geoffrey of, um, of Monomath's version, Brutus's band subsequently overtake the land, defeating Gog and Magog. In the process, so Gogmagog is treated as one of these giants who were—I mean, clearly this is describing a Genesis six type event. Yes, it's clearly.
describing that. And who was to know? I mean, who was to know that this Alba is is actually what the Scottish call their land? Yeah, that's what they actually call. Yeah, it. so so I think this is this isn't talking about Britain. This is this is talk this isn't talking about Britain Albion. This is talking about the Scottish Alba or Albany, and that was, I think, well we've talked before about the the centers to capital of the second incursion was at the Valley of Sedim that was destroyed. We found that there's a possibility that this type of thing was going on in Europe, and so. This especially was going on with the Celts, and they go into great detail with these entities, which they called the uh, Tuatha de Danann. Um And they were um, s- sometimes described as angelic or demonic entities. Sometimes they're described as kings or with supernatural powers or both. So it says... They go in the uh, Book of Invasions, the Irish Book of Invasion, which I mentioned before. It's also called the Labor Gabala Aren. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it says they came to Ireland in dark clouds and landed on the mountains of um of Conhacne. I'm I'm sorry. Um, I probably am not pronouncing these Celtic words right, which is basically in Connacht, uh, Ireland. Uh, and they said that they spread a darkness over the sun for three days and three nights. They immediately burnt the ships so that they would not sink, uh, they would not think of retreating to them. And the smoke and the mist, and the mist that came from the vessels filled the neighboring land and air. Therefore, it is conceived that they arrived in clouds of mist. The poem in the uh, Labor Gabala Aren says of their arrival, it is God who suffered them. Though he restrained them, they landed with horror, with lofty deed in their might, cloud of mighty combat of specters upon a mountain of Kamaikne, or of Kanakt. Um, without distinction to discerning, Isle, discerning Ireland, without ships, a ruthless course, the truth was not known beneath the sky of stars. Whether they were of heaven of earth let me say this we talked about this in a previous broadcast again the bible clearly depicts that an angel got into the fire and ascended jacob's ladder you talked about that the simple fact why we keep having this well we have this from dagon he was a fish entity correct we also uh, uh, have the people uh, keep having this mythology that these gods were coming up out of the sea and they were fishmen. You stated that this could be a type of a way they were shedding their energy. Yeah, man, that would take a lot of cooling. I mean, what if you really were to approach an, uh, a pure angelic entity if it had not had... Um, transformed itself into flesh I imagine that you were in danger of radiation exposure yeah Um, as in close proximity to a nuclear chain reaction but what if this is partially why the giants had all these mutations 
were they ira- irradiating the women that they were with? Well, that that is probably for another topic. However, what this is describing is that these entities were putting off so much heat that they come up out of the ocean, and it stated plainly that they come up out of the mist. It was creating a fog. There was such a release of energy into that water. So here we go again with with this same idea that the fallen came down in the water and would emerge uh, uh, from the water. This is the same thing we've talked about. Yeah, and here it says, here they, they go to four cities of Ireland where they teach their skills and sciences, including architecture, arts, magic, including necromancy. And this lines in with what we were saying about the possibility that Ireland is Atlantis. This is explaining what happened before the flood, the angels coming down and yes. teaching humans the the various arts of the heavens and whatever. And they're, wherever the giants can't go, they have some advanced civilization. They We, we know that... Ireland has the, of course, Stonehenge, right? And then the new, and then the Colonish, new, yes. Then the New World has its various structures, including the, 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 the massive pyramids, and you know, in Mexico. And so these giants were clearly they always brought with them their knowledge. These entities always brought knowledge with them, and this is mostly why you have gods of, you know. If you look in, into mythology and stuff, you have gods of writing and gods of science and mm-hmm. you know and of knowledge and things like that because that's what they would freely give people, especially if you were to sacrifice to them. So these entities, they, as we mentioned, they had centers of where they were doing this, capitals of their sin. But we know why why would these angels have focused their their plan? on Sodom and Gomorrah because they knew what the people were like. They knew the people would rape whatever they got their hands on. So this was exactly what what they wanted. So of course they would have focused their 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 act there. So I've mentioned before that the the main leaders of the uh of the second incursion seem to appear to be two specific entities. They bear various different names, but Dagon is one of them. Um, he has various different names, but his name as Dagon appears among these Irish gods, the tu, uh, Tuatha de Dedan, and his name is the Dagda, which we agree sounds a lot like like Dagon. Like Dagon, he's a fertility, agriculture, um, deity. And he also controls weather and crops. So this is basically not only do we see this this event, but we we also see that he is um, engaging this sort of uh, this, this this sort of lifestyle. It says that Dagda is said to be the husband of the Morrigan and the lover of Boan. Okay, when when it says that he performs literally uh, one of the greatest, you know. Uh, acts of adultery in all of mythology <laughs> it says that um Dagda had an affair with Bo- uh, Boand the wife of Elkmar in order to hide their affair Dagda made the sun stand still for nine months because their son Angus was conceived gestated and born in one day 
he, along with Boand, helped Angus search for his love. So, now we're going to talk about this Angus, aren't we? Yeah, so here we see, of course, an angelic entity coming down and taking a wife. Um, almost comparable to the uh, the Bathsheba event. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and this Boand um, is, is treated as a, a river goddess, which we can also see in Greek mythology. See, Greek mythology... Um, reflected a lot of these things that were going on in that time. But um, we're, we're going to get to that. But this uh, Angus figure, I uh, came to believe, may actually be where we get the word Magog, Gog and Magog. I'm beginning to think that Angus is literally another name for Gog, and that his alternative name, Mac-Indoc, sounds a lot like Magog. Well, it, it's really... Uh, interesting in its final form it, it, it really does remind you of Gog Magog the 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 Mackie I, I Mackinac Mackinac yes the 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 Mackinac I guess you take a look at this and especially how he is uh, depicted um it is amazing how his hands are stretching into the heavens and the birds are flocking around his hands, but Aaron, you you get into this, and wow, this this makes a whole lot of sense. That this redhead giant uh, look, everything is being depicted. That this makes sense. This is Magog. It's off the hook that that particular demon and and it's and it's blended into just a single name Gog Magog is actually in their mythology. Yep. And we have whenever you hear of Gog and Magog a lot of people think oh they're two places. But this is proved wrong in Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 2. Son of man set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. Meshach and Tubal, and the prophecy against him. Okay, so Gog refers to not a place, but a person. Right. Magog, of course, refers to his people. His people. The Celts. Which you're calling Magog, and he just, he explains himself. Magog is who? The people of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Yeah, which we find out what what is, uh, Magog means Celts. Rosh means Russia, so you're talking about the 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 Slavs. Meshach, you have another group of Slavs. Tubal is also where the American Indians come from, or the sub and the Siberians. So um, this is basically trying him trying to rule over a bunch of uh, Japhethites. So um, this figure may also appear again in Greek mythology. Y'all might be surprised. Um, We have a genealogy of Perseus and Dionysus. And it's an insane genealogy. You can can look it up on Wikipedia. Just type in uh, Aegyptus, A-E-G-Y-P-T-U-S. Look that up and then scroll to the bottom. It'll have a an intense genealogy 
And in this genealogy, Zeus shows up into the bloodline four times. Four times. He, he, whenever they, every once in a while, when a daughter shows up, he'll come and, you know, have sex with her and they'll bear a child. And so, um, there are two big lines. There's, um, descended from him. There is, um, Bellis, who of course represents, um, the tyrant. And then we have Eganor, which I'm starting to think is the same as this Angus. Is this Gog? So you have Bell on one side and Gog on the other. Yeah, and this supports my theory that they were that there were three sons of uh of of the survivor of Kush Shakar. He had um Bell, who was the tyrant. He had Anak, who was uh, so Bell had authority over the Shemites. Anak was given authority over the Hamites, and then this third one, Gog or Angor or Angus, he was given authority over the Japhethites. But he never engaged in the uh, Titanomachy, as far as we can see. But he went up to the north and he was performing his own things in that area. And as we have evidence of, he was going all over the world. Well, more importantly, getting getting back to this this presupposition as to why the American Indians are called what are they called? Yeah, nomads. Were they really trying to flee these giants? That's exactly what they tell us. I mean, you get into their mythology; they're the ones that bring up. Yeah, by the way, um, we had to duke it out with red-haired giants, uh, which is just off the hook, and it's not. You you don't get the big structures, uh, these big, well, especially lined up to the stars, until you get into Central America. They kept fleeing, they kept fleeing, and these giants obviously caught up with them in Central America. And, of course, if you look at the geology of the matter, that's not only concentrated, once again, at the Chichilub impact, but it also creates a bottleneck. You look at North America where they come across the frozen ice. The farther you get down, you just get bottlenecked, 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 bottlenecked. They're south of Mexico. You're into a serious bottleneck. That's exactly where they trapped them in that bottleneck. That's where they got a hold of these people and 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 subjugated them, these giants. So when we look at these things, biblically it becomes off the hook. I mean, do you realize how many people would love to put to pen and paper what you just said. Now, when we try to expand our mind, let's go back to the Bible. I have taught you since I could teach you about the tribulation trigger, correct? Mm -hmm. This is a magical moment when he whose place is in the land, in the midst of the rivers, he crosses the threshold and enters into the beautiful land that's the tribulation trigger. God comes off the hook. That's when he intervenes himself. That's the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. That's the tribulation trigger. And it would seem that this trigger unleashes these four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, yeah, we came we, we came to the conclusion that um Okay, so we have seven heads of Satan. It says five have fallen. And um, 
that indicated, uh, and I came to the conclusion through through some hardcore study that Azazel is one of these. Uh, Azazel is one of the five who have fallen. So, uh, and we know he was separated into a place called Dudael. Yep, a place in the abyss specifically called Dudael. And then he has, but then there's another four, and. There were at least two of them who we have evidence in the book of Enoch that two of other Satans came with them. So there were three right. who ruled the second incursion, and one of these was Azazel. But, but wait Azazel was separated from the other two in this first incursion. Okay, you, you misquoted yourself. You, you said the, the second – no, not the second. There were three in the first. That's the first incursion. Azazel. Samael and Aramel. Okay? Mm -hmm. That was the first incursion. So you misquoted. You actually said that was the second incursion. The for the second incursion, we came up with the simple fact this name is 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 variously Nabu and Kazdi. That's the second incursion, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're not going to get the head, but here you have these four other angelic entities, like you already stated, it's not Azazel. The scapegoat is in the abyss. So, you're talking about the two that accompanied him on the first incursion, and then the next two, which was the second incursion, them obviously trying to keep this bloodline infused with the seed of the fallen. Yes. The, the first incursion uh, um these two angels that helped Azazel, they're referred to in Job as the helpers of Rahab. They were also chained for um, aiding him, but I don't know if they actually engaged in the same acts as Azazel himself and the other person were, but he was, they were acting as like, you know, as, you know, helpers in the incursion and just like instigating it. And then... Well more importantly, what you're trying to say, if they're not in the abyss, what you're saying is they were aiding and abetting the scapegoat. Yeah, literally. And then this is this. I mean, in, in crime, you know, if you're even though you didn't if you didn't commit the crime, if you didn't commit a murder, if you let it happen in your house and you knew about it, you get you would get imprisoned as well. Right. Because right. you conspired with it. Right. So um, in the second incursion, we have these angels. I think they initiated it in in the in the act themselves i'm not sure maybe they were getting other angels to do it for them i don't know but these but these two um we've given various names and i can't even pinpoint what their true names are for sure i mean they're so corrupt in the in the ethiopic book of uh, enoch we have now they the, in the ethiopic book of enoch they they appear as neb of uh, pename and Kazdi, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm not sure how corrupt those names are if we can even get to the original, but these two were engaging in that act. So um, we have two from the first incursion and two from the second incursion who are bound by the river Euphrates, and this is in um, Revelation chapter uh, nine. We've revisited this so many times because every time that we tried to come to a conclusion, I was not satisfied. It did not feel like we had reached anything that was solid and solid enough to say anything because the Bible doesn't come out and refer to any time angels being bound in the river Euphrates. 
We suggested that possibly this is the War of the Nine Kings in the Valley of Sedim. It's got to be, son. But it the, has to be. But there, in the Valley of Sedim, which is where the Dead Sea is now, the Euphrates isn't even <sighs> near there. So we have... So why, why is it the River Euphrates? So that finally, is his border. So finally, I, I just stepped back and was like, what if they're not literally bound in the River Euphrates, but by it? What if they are right. released by the action of the tribulation trigger? When he crosses that river, and it's who a is trigger. He? And who is he? He is the Assyrian false prophet. Yeah, and, and more commonly known as the Antichrist. He is their Maoz. And it says that once he crosses that river, he comes with those angels yes. to start taking down the holy places. Right. So this, and this is in detail in Psalms chapter 74. So... These, but these um, two second incursions are referred to in Isaiah as Rahab who remains. Rahab who remains, yes. So part of the first incursion that was allowed to continue for the second incursion. So just to be clear, when we go back to Revelation, now we realize that everything makes sense. Okay, let's go through this one more time. How many kings does Revelation say there are? Seven. And what does it say about the first five? The first five have fallen. Okay. To be clear, we've explained who they are. That's the scapegoat, Azazel. His two cohorts for that event we state is Aramel and Samuel, correct? Yeah. That's three. The other two's the second incursion that did this down in the valley of Sedim, which God nuked and is presently under those those were tar the tarpets. It's presently under the Dead Sea, and it's their angelic bodies. This is why God nuked it with fire and brimstone. He was doing something to alter their physical form. This is why one of the greatest mineral deposits in the world is, guess what? The Dead Sea. Okay? So there you have these five. So the two for the second incursion, the closest that we can come, is Naboo and Kasti. Then the Bible says, what? One is, we've pinpointed that to be who? Abaddon. The one that is coming that he makes a pact with, one has a cloven, one has the male seed to bring together and make this covenant. Who's he? Belial. So now it all makes sense. And we see impregnated into the text, let's get back to the red-headed infusion. I've already read to you the technical data that was released in this documentary about the Ireland Atlantis. Their red-headed DNA is found everywhere. I already presented the, the evidence with which David Rowe showed the world. That statue with the the coat of uh, uh, many colors has red hair. I mean, this is literally starting to make sense. You take these mythologies and put them to the biblical text and it begins to make, make positive sense to the narrative. 
So, um, so the first, so in various texts we see, especially in the Sandinikon, which is mentioned in um, Eusebius' text, that um, one of these fallen angels, uh, probably Nabu, also called Thoth, he fled to Egypt where he was um, doing, messing around with what he wanted, but God said he would punish the gods of Egypt. He did so during the time of Moses. Yes. This other one called Dagon, I don't know whenever he got defeated, but it makes me wonder if it was during the time of Jesus Christ. We suggested that perhaps, um, we mentioned before that perhaps Herod the Great wanted his grandson, Herod Agrippa, to be the Messiah. Yeah. Because he, had a, he was born 11 BC, right after Jesus was born. Same star, same everything. Yeah, same star, same everything. And we find it, okay, Aristobulus was a son whom, was his own son whom he murdered for sedition, and one named Bernice, taking you straight back to the Daniel narrative. She is the one mentioned there, isochronally speaking. Yeah, and it's very clear in the Bible that Herod's line was cursed. Herod the Great died in a way nobody even knows what killed him. They called it the evil of Herod. He dies, then we have, um, then we have eventually uh, Herod Archelaus. He is banished from the throne and dies in uh, in exile. Then his brother um, Antipas goes in there. I forget what, what happens to him. But he doesn't make it to the time of the of of Acts. Then his eventually his grandson Agrippa makes it to the throne. What happens to him? He's eaten by worms. So clearly this line is cursed. Why was Herod himself? Okay, this is the crazy part of who Herod was. He was an Arab, or he, more specifically, he was an Edomite. Given authority over Jerusalem, he said that he converted to Judaism, but he wasn't even a Jew. He gained enough power under the um, under Caesar himself that he was able to call himself king. How was he allowed to call himself king without being taken down by the Romans? I think was he working with this fallen angel, this other angel, by which his seed was cursed, was he trying to make the false messiah at that time? Was he trying to do that? And by that reason, that was why he was against Jesus and his apostles. Why Jesus was ever crucified was because this strife was going on. But was this second angel, was he bound, was this fourth and final entity, was he bound when Jesus descended? Interesting proposition you have going on there. But now we give some meat to this Magog. It's absolutely amazing you line up these mythologies and then you, you, you just look at it and 
it's just off the hook that even the Native Americans, I mean, these Indians are saying, look, the red-headed giants, <laughs> we're having to duke it out with them. It just keeps going back to the biblical script. It's like history is playing off the biblical narrative. And it's kind of scary when you get in and look at it, get your hands dirty, start looking into these mythologies. And it's just absolutely amazing when you bring up that, that you know, the bloodlines that you were talking about there with Perseus, absolutely off the hook, that right there you see that there's this continual injection of this fallen seed. It's just off the hook. Um, you just take a look at it, Aaron, and it's just off the hook. Yeah. Like I said, you have Zeus appears in here four times and Poseidon once. So, clearly this Zeus had was focused on this bloodline for whatever reason it was. But this was... Like we said, they would they would die out by the fourth generation. The I mean, by the fourth generation, you would have a Nephilite child that wouldn't have any angel within them. He would all of his all of his angelic uh, DNA would be recessive. That would all be recessive, and he would appear by by all rights. He would be a normal human being. Yeah. So so in order for them to to stop this from happening, they would have to take a female within the line and um, have that same angel you know to mate with her and continue the line but this is probably the purpose of blood pacts and why they were ever a thing was that the angel would would make a pact that he would he would be um, <laughs> he, he would literally be their loyal he would be loyal to their bloodline right he would every fourth generation show up and replenish his seed in their line yeah and he would whatever deal he made for him to do that he would have children and you would have power and he more importantly they would get their this Moaz, they would just keep kicking the can down the road, biding their time. But eventually, we get to this event horizon where they come up with this cloven. And you and I need to really talk about what the text actually says. You know, Aaron, it's pretty plain that, that we've talked about that this well, this project probably had a name, and I've referred to you privately anyway, the simple fact that it appears that this project was probably taken off-world, and that you are plainly told in the biblical narrative that this project is going to be brought back to the late great planet Earth. You're told all the details. So are is it, are they taken to another planet? Are they taken to another dimension? Where, what's going on? We don't know. We need to consult that text. We probably need to address this topic for sure. We need to bring it in the simple fact that what's the in vitro capital of the world? 
we have right now mainstream news unleashing upon an unsuspecting world. They're already editing embryos, Aaron. This facility is going to be built, and we know exactly where those two cloven are going to bring it. I'm I'm beginning to uh, to start wondering why the Nazi movement was so focused on the Aryans. I've been fo- I've been doing a lot of reading about who the Aryans were, and the Aryans were a Japhethite bloodline. They went to some of them went to um, India. Some of them stayed in Persia, and someone went to the north and went into Europe. But we have Persians who claim, we actually have evidence, that they could have been descendants of the tribe of Ephraim. So these Aryans having the bloodline of Ephraim would be, of course, where they would have to go to get their their queen. Okay. You the daughter to, of women. You need to qualify that statement. Why would they have to go to Ephraim? Because the scripture says that um God says that Ephraim is my maos. I think that statement probably took the listener by complete surprise. So this being the case, let us consider that here very soon uh, we may need to unleash upon the world this as our next episode. The biblical narrative tells us that these two cloven are protecting this project that's going on. They're taking it to the land of Shinar. Which is where is Shinar? Let's just let's just let that stew. Okay, we will unleash this upon an unsuspecting world in our next show. We've been building up to it. We have everything in place. Look, this tale of the Irish Atlantis, look, I want to remind you once again, the book of Enoch plainly states, the Bible plainly states, that the flood was not designed to take out the giants. It was designed to take out the wickedness of man. Correct? Correct. You will take note. What this Irish story states, this, 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 this red-headed narrative, is that these women were banished for what? Extreme wickedness. They were banished to a place, and the angels seized advantage of the opportunity and took them to be their wives. This is where the story, this is the riddle of Alba. So, with this in mind, our next show is going to come to grips with this Project Muaz. This thing is in operation right now. You know that the biblical prophet, whom I will not name, he gives you fantastic intimate details that they took it somewhere. Now, what I would say would be you got a couple of options. It's on the dark side of the moon or it's on Europa. But with that in mind, we're going to cross 
the Rubicon the very next time because it's already been released into the public that they are actively editing the genome. They're actively doing it. So you have to take note that this, Aaron, this very family tree that you directed everybody to of this Egyptus, right there appears the name Europa. Yeah, as a, as a daughter of this Angus or Angor. So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, God bless, God speed. Fringeradionetwork.com slash donate. We don't need your money to survive. We pay for the network with our own hard-earned cash. But if you want to help us grow and reach more people, just go to FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you a free network t-shirt. FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.